going to read from Psalm 91. So my message today is from Psalm 91. And I know for many of you, this is a favorite, a favorite. And I'm going to read uh, a few verses here. And I've been directed by the Holy Ghost with, with or without a voice to preach for just a little bit here from Psalm 91. It's familiar. And uh, I'm going to talk to you about its application in the midst of current events. Now, I'm not a long-winded preacher. I don't plan to preach a long time. But I believe the Holy Ghost is directing us. Psalm 91 and verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, everyone say the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So I'm talking today about the current events and the troubles all about us. And many of you know what trouble is and you know what heartache is. We have a family here that just in the last couple of days have lost a young loved one just 28 years old. We know what trouble is and we know what heartache is. But he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God. Everyone say, my God. Everybody say, my God. Hallelujah. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Of course, noisome, I happen to teach Hebrew and enjoy Hebrew, but noisome is a unique, rather old English concept, which is just another way of saying very, very deadly, a very deadly pestilence. And you might even say that the word pestilence is very, very close to the word that we would use in English that we call a disease, although I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it has to be the word disease. I'll leave it as pestilence because it can be more than just a disease. But we are seeing troubles all about us along this line. He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Everyone said amen. Just a little bit more. He shall cover thee with his feathers, which of course is symbolic. He doesn't have actual feathers because he is invisible. But just as a bird would take its young and so forth, so it's a symbol And under his wings shalt thou trust. I feel the Holy Ghost here. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. Hallelujah. Everyone say, not be afraid. Thou shalt not be afraid. I haven't even given my my title yet, but I'm almost there. For the terror by night, nor For the arrow that flieth by day, and my last verse, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Now there, of course, is another symbol. As though the pestilence is tiptoeing around, as though to try to scare us and make us believe that it is greater than our God. For the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that walketh at noonday. 
So let me preach to you for just a moment a message entitled Victory Over Fear. Victory Over Fear. And the Holy Ghost is in this room. Could you lay your Bibles down and could you pray with me before you're seated? And let's ask and implore the Holy Ghost to talk to us. Father, right now we are in the very presence of the Lord. Lord, we've shouted. We could have gotten way more emotional. But people were crying out and it was more than emotion. And so you healed some people today. And you've given answers to several here in this building today. And now you have brought us to the place that we are considering our world and the fearsomeness of this hour and how God has brought us rather to victory. And we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you for praying and thank you for being here. This is a marvelous group that is here today. This is a growing church. This is a holiness church. This is a God-believing church. This is a Bible-preaching church. We don't care what the devil thinks about it. Now the devil's in time tactic is fear. It is his in the Bible tells us that it is fear. Tonight I'm going to preach a message about the relationship of world turmoil to the coming of Jesus. So I'll leave that for that. But this is why Psalm 91 is about Jesus and those who follow him and it says thou shalt not be afraid. So even though that's not the core of Psalm 91, I'm going to say nothing about its relationship to Jesus on the cross and so forth. I don't have time not preaching the entire Psalm 91. So if someone asks you, did Brother French preach Psalm 91? No, he preached a segment of Psalm 91 that is applicable to world chaos all about us. So rather than the fear of circumstances, however evil they may be, and we are seeing a time when the devil thinks that he really is somebody. He thinks he will stop you and that your family will fall into the cracks of abyss and evil. But God has given us a promise and that promise is not fear. That promise is victory. Praise God. Come on, let's clap our hands one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This is not to minimize the concerns. I'm not at all suggesting that fear is not a relevant and real emotion. I, of course it is. Not here, I'm not here preaching that fear is some horrible thing that nobody should ever have. That's not my point. That, that's an entirely, that's a psychological different event and a different story. I'm talking about the devil's tactic where he comes in the end time. And I'm telling you, Jesus is about to come. You can do whatever you want. You can pretend it isn't happening. You can say, I don't believe in prophecy. That's your business. But Jesus is getting ready to come back. And this is your time. Now, currently, there is such an evil in this world. That it uses the innocent to send messages to its targets. It uses the fear tactics of the barbarians. It uses the sword to behead innocent men. And they claim soon innocent women. 
And of course, we are speaking directly of four uh, Westerners that have recently been beheaded, one just this week. He had done nothing. He was not a soldier. He was not an evil man. He was a good man. He was a Briton. And he had been captured. And in order to send a message to the West, they literally in front of the entire world because of the abilities of of uh, internet and YouTube and so on to demand subservience to their cause. They have used tactics that are there for one reason, and that is to bring fear. Now, some of you are big, tough, and you're not fearful of anything, so I know you're thinking you're not preaching to me, and I'm not trying to uh, make anybody fearful. I'm trying to do the opposite. But, but I do want you to understand that in a fearsome generation, when there is turmoil and we don't know what to do, I would suggest that you get your head in the Bible, that you get your heart into the presence of the Lord. Now, there are times we say, oh, I don't want to get too emotional. You know, Brother French, he jumps around and he, he, he screams and hoops and gets loud and tells him to turn the mic up. And, and uh, Brother French is so emotional and all that. But I'll tell you what I would do. I would quit worrying about what the preacher's doing and I'd get my mind on the things of God. Let me tell you, I've never seen a time when there are more people that are saying, Brother, I've got to get baptized in Jesus' name. I can hardly get to the pulpit for somebody saying to me, Brother, is it time? Do you think I ought to be baptized in Jesus' name? Hallelujah. This is not a time to pretend that everything's going to go back to normal. Now, I know that many of you are hoping this, and, I, and I, I do understand it. I'm not condemning it. In fact, I think we should be praying for peace, and we should be praying for uh, the world to have a... Uh, Calm down, we might say, and, and I think many of us, it's sort of like, a, do any of you remember uh, what they called that when they thought the computers were going to go cuckoo? Y2K, yeah. And the world was going to end on New Year's Eve or something like that. When you go into the new year, the new millennium, that's why they called it Y2K. You go into the new millennium, everything's going to crash. And I had people telling me, oh, Brother French, as soon as they, we get into the new millennium and that clock goes over and all the computers, all the, all the airplanes all over the world are going to just crash. I said, whoa. Well, I, I'll be sure I don't book a flight uh, on New Year's. Of course, we want peace. We don't want any airplanes going down. We're not in the least bit suggesting that we hope that things continue in this vein. Of course not. But I would suggest that you read your Bibles. The psalmist says, we fear neither the sword nor the pestilence. Now, I find that interesting. Some of you will take it and you, you'll, it will mean nothing to you. But others of you will see the enormous import of a psalm that is saying to the church, of course, I realize it was to the Hebrews, but it is now our scripture and it is speaking to us today. And it is speaking especially to apostolic tabernacle because the Holy Ghost, I, I never knew, ever knew any more that I'm in the will of God than I do right now. 
God has ordained that we would consider that though we are in a generation. Now, I've had people say to me, and I know some of you are worried I'm going to get all carried away and go all day long, and you're going to miss your, uh, your lunch and so on. I know I can tell you're nervous. When you start waving your napkin around like this instead of your hanky and your forks and spoons, I know what you're saying. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody does. I'm just kidding. But I'm not going to be lengthy. I'm going to preach today that God has promised the church rather than the fear. Of course it's there. For the mother of young Peter, I am not at all, if she hears this sermon, which I had no reason to think that she will, but if she were to hear it, I would not want her to think that I am suggesting that her son captured by a bunch of maniacs that have announced to the entire world that they're going to kill him before the entire world simply because he was available and they could snatch him up and use him as a ploy to, in fact, this last one, they called out the name of our American president. As though it were almost a jeer. Now you can think what you want. I've got the right to preach what I think. As though they were jeering the leadership of the free world. and, And as though it was just nothing more. I'm not suggesting that Peter's mother would not be afraid and would not be concerned. In fact, yesterday on my way back from St. Louis, I believe it was her that I heard on I had a vehicle that's not my own and I was had a special station I could hear some of the news that I don't often get and so I was uh, I was listening and I heard the mother uh, she had like a prepared statement I was really quite moved by it and and uh, I didn't I'm not saying I sensed fear in her voice in fact I would say that I was quite amazed that both her and her husband were so composed and they had sent out a message and at least I heard part of it and they were requesting and, and pleading with these insane individuals to let their son go, that he was a, a humanitarian, that he was doing nothing but good. He was not an evil person. He had nothing against Islam. He had nothing against the people of Syria and so forth. And I'm not suggesting that she should not have concern and fear. What I am suggesting that in a world where Peter's mother has to wonder if her son will even live through the day, that there is a God that is bigger than any devil that tries to lay his hand on your babies. There is a God that is greater than any force in this world. Oh, I believe today, I believe today that the Holy Ghost, could we just lift our hands and praise God for just a moment? Could we just love him? Could we love him? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you because no evil No evil is going to prevail. We fear neither the sword nor the pestilence. Now I have given the the only caveat I have time to give. I do not mean by that we take the death of these people lightly or any others. And I would suggest that no one knows the future. No one knows what will take place Tomorrow, How many knows that only God holds the future in his hand? But I'm telling you, evil, I know this without having to know the future, that evil cannot prevail. Satan hates the pastor. 
Satan hates the ministry. Satan hates the saints. Satan hates holiness. Satan hates righteousness. And Satan hates the Bible. He kicks and screams and he does everything he can. But dear ones, you listen to me. Psalm 91 says, Thou shalt not be afraid. Why? Because thou hast made the Lord thy habitation. I have given God my life and I am trusting God. So now let me talk to you in the Holy Ghost. The fear and the chaos all about us today are signs that we are approaching the coming of Jesus. There's no doubt in my mind. There is no question in my mind. Someone said, well, will you realign your thought if the facts change? Well, I will change whatever thoughts I have to change as life goes along. Whatever tomorrow brings, then we'll weigh in on tomorrow. But I'm telling you today that I'm 58 years old and I have never been more convinced I got the Holy Ghost when I was 11. And I'm telling you I have never felt the touch of God like we are feeling in this generation right now. Now I know there's almost a hush about our culture. We're not sure. Nobody even knows hardly how to evaluate it all because it is so unlike our Western world. And so the fear and the chaos that's all about us, they're signs of the approaching coming of Jesus and what is often referred to as the rapture. The rapture, that's a Latin word, but it's quite commonly used now. The rapture or what Christians refer to as the disappearance of the church. In other words, he's just going to suddenly, boom, the church is going to be gone. And these are all signs. Another way to say it is that we are seeing the coming of the end of the world. That's another way to say it. Now, it's not totally accurate because it never totally ends because he redoes it and starts over and there's a heaven and so on. But my point is that the world as we understand it, maybe you thought, oh, I'll just booze it up and drug it up and man, I'm cool and I'm tough and all I got to do is have a weight room and, and really I'll be all right. But it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, we are about to see the coming of Jesus. So Jesus explains it in John 14 in these words. Let not your heart be troubled. You see, it's no different than what I'm preaching today. He wasn't meaning, well, if they're about to lop your head off, don't have it. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Of course, if that's about to happen, you're going to have all the emotion associated with such horror. That's not the point. The point is... As this world begins to fall apart. And everybody says, what are we going to do? And I suggest you listen to me today. This world is going to need a God that is bigger than itself. This world is going to recognize. I know some won't. There are some that never will, the Bible tells us so. But Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. So the Spirit of God is calling you to set your house in order. 
sure, you, you need a car. You got to get a car. I said, we've been driving this car ever since we've been here. I got that car in 2006. And it's uh, got all kinds of little things, but it's a miracle that it's running. So I figure if it's a miracle, I don't want to sell a miracle. So I'll hold on to it. Sure, it'd be nice to have someone was saying, uh, I was driving a different vehicle, and I thought to myself, whoa, look at that. Oh, I would I'd like that, you know. And how nice it'd be if, if uh, every once in a while when I'm driving, the whole thing goes off. The lights go out. The only thing that runs is the engine. And when that happens at midnight, now I could fix it. I go, you know, hocus pocus, abracadabra, pow, and I could get it fixed because I'm a mechanic. And so sometimes the lights will go out, everything goes out, and I'll have people doing their flashers like that. And I'll say, hold on, hocus pocus, abracadabra. And it comes back on, and, and I've, I've just got to, I don't even worry about it. I was thinking the other day, Lord, I mean, when that first happened, I took it in, and they, they said, well, this, that, and the other thing. And then, you know, if you sell your, your kids and your, uh, your this and that, we'll, we'll fix that for you. So I took it in, and they said it was fixed. I got it out, and the first thing, it just went out, the first thing. I said, it's went out, gone out again. They said, well, that's going to happen once in a while. Said, sure, you want your car to run. You want uh, someone, nothing makes me feel worse than someone uh, stuck on the side of the road and all of that. Or if you're, uh, many of you have needs that nobody even knows about, and we all know that, this not talking about that. But if you've got your heart on the wealth of this world and you think a nice shiny car is going to make you happy or whatever this world, maybe the movie stars or maybe the sports stars are going to fill your need for God and I'm telling you right now, it is not going to happen. You need God in your life. You need to set your house in order and get your soul ready. Jesus is coming. So this in no way makes light of the horror of the terrorists killing an aid relief worker. We should pray for Alan Henning. He didn't live far from the university that I attended and wrote this book that I now have released. And I've wept my own tears for him. And I've said how unfair it is, how horrific it is, just days ago. Or the threats to who I will call Peter Kosig in my mind, whatever happens, and of course I'm praying and you're praying for Peter Kosick, the young, how old is he? 28 maybe? I think he's, I don't know. 28 years old. Of course, it's a tremendous tragedy. And it's not possible to know right now, please forgive me for being so open, I, I, I just have to be myself. Wherever he is, wherever he's being held, 
I can't possibly know what he's feeling. I'm sure he's brave. I'm, I, I will say I'm sure he's brave. And I'm sure that he's willing to offer up his life for his country. I'm, 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 I feel certain of that. But what the Holy Ghost is showing us in the confusion of this hour, it's like the mercy of God as confusion spreads and it's in the political arena it's in it's it's in almost every aspect of our world today i'm preaching in this very real world of injustice and of evil and all i could start naming i'm trying my best not to get carried away which strikes fear into our hearts. Maybe you're tough and it doesn't apply to you, but for most of us, there's this certain something, even if I know it will never touch my children or my home, there's something about it. I, there's this, someone said, oh, they've come through the border and they're here and they're there. There's something very natural in the human realm, but there is a very real God that is bigger than any evil in this world. And that is the God that is moving right now in this very place. He holds the world. You say, I don't understand. I don't think so. I have people often tell me that. I don't see how God could. Someone said, I don't see how God. Uh, I was gonna, about to say something. Um, uh, we've been in the hospital many times with our children and uh, had a son with cancer and so on. And be there and have people say to us, Reverend, Reverend, run to me because they know I'm a reverend. And we'd be tore up about our own children with cancer. Were they going to make it? What was going to happen? And we'd be praying. And one little, had a little girl. She had a, a cancer right over her eye. And they begin to say, we don't know. What are we going to do? And I sister, I'll never forget it. They said that they're down in the chapel. This was one of the biggest hospitals in Chicago. They're down in the chapel. And so Sister French said, they, they said, uh, what are we going to do? And Sister French said, God is bigger than any problem. Now her son had cancer just like the little girl had cancer. They said that we don't, the doctors don't have a, a solution. They don't know what to do. And I'll never forget it. They went down to the chapel and they began to pray. And what Sister French said, I took her down to the chapel. We prayed for about an hour and she really, really got a hold of God. The mother was so, I mean, sweet and all that. And I said, but hon, don't you know that the chapel is on television? It's a televised chapel. The entire hospital on channel 30, you just click it on. And we could see you in there praying. So people that night saw a mother with her son with cancer. And another younger mother. How, wasn't she younger than we were? And there she was weeping. And Sister French said, I don't care who saw it. I just know that God helped a little a little mother that was a, we were in intensive care. What was the hospital? And she she she'll know the address, but ju just the name of the hospital will do. I don't need the phone number, just the ad. I mean, not the address, just the name. I don't need to know the color of the of the halls in every department. Just the name of the hospital where the young man came in and 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 our son was in there. Loyola, you, you, know which, you know what event I'm talking about? 
See, she reads, I, I don't have, I just say, what, what's the answer? And she knows what I'm going to ask. And the young boy was 14 years old and he had tried to jump a train there in Chicago that night. And we were uh, all night, there, it was uh, what they called, the, uh, I'm going to call it, she, she has the right word, but the inner uh, uh, intensive care. Like there's intensive care, but then there's a room in the middle where they're about to lose them and they're in there. And that's where we were. And there wasn't room for a second bed, just one bed. They come rushing, forgive me for being so emotional. They come rushing in with this boy. They, he tried to hop a train and it threw him under the train. <laughs> for a young pastor starting a church in Chicago. And seeing that boy with his leg sliced off, it was one of the hardest things I ever saw. But when that mother reached out and said, I don't understand, I tried to raise him. I don't know which was harder. Watching that boy suffer and barely make it or watching that mother in a world of chaos. I tried to keep him from those boys. Why did he run with them? I tried. I'll never forget Sister French reaching out and putting her arms around her and said, can I pray for you? We were in the same intensive care. We could have said, you know, we don't know if we'll make it through the night. We could have said it, but we didn't share our concern because it just seemed unimportant. And we prayed for that boy. Church, I want to tell you something. This world needs the answer that we have. This world needs to know there's a victory over every problem that they face. And I hate to tell you, my friend, but it is not political. Whatever political answers you can get, and the elections are coming up, and then there'll be more, there'll be elections. I just thank God there's no elections in heaven. And it'll all be over there. But your answers cannot be found in politicians. I don't care how honest they are. I'm not, a, I'm not trying to condemn everybody. I'm just telling you that our answers are not found there. God is greater than evil. And he is greater than every force in this world. And he has a plan. And the Bible tells us all about it. It involves Israel and the Middle East. The Bible clearly says so. It involves all the major powers including Russia. And it appears to be playing out right before our eyes and the Holy Ghost is saying I'm offering you the answer right now and some of you are wanting it could we stand together I'd like us to pray we're getting we're gonna have a baptism if you can stay now some of you will slip out after prayer but I wonder if we could just gather come, musicians come a little a, a little more quickly I didn't give them much warning but I feel like somebody's reaching out today for the victory that God has I'm not talking about America having victory I'm an American and I pray for America, but I'm talking about something much deeper than that. God's plan is to give you in these last days, if you will lean on him, not as a crutch, 
but as the one who is in control. Could we bow our heads all across, all across the building? I wonder if you could come right now and you'd just say, Brother French, you know, I really want to pray. And you have a need. Maybe, maybe there's someone you're praying for. But I wonder if you could bring that need. Maybe you need a healing. And we're going to dismiss in just a moment from the front. But is there someone else who would come? That's it. Just keep coming. Just step out and say, Brother French, I, I need prayer today. I, I need an answer. My, my grandkids need an answer. My children need an answer. And I am trusting in God. That's it. That's it. Don't, don't look around. Just pray for them. God, right now, someone else. There's someone else. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. And this is your chance to reach out to a God that is bigger than our world praise God the devil may wield a sword and may think he's really somebody but he is not bigger than our God our God has given the church the victory in these last days that's it I'm going to wait another minute because there's some others that's it come on come on could you reach your hand toward these that are praying we're going to do it just a little different come on let's reach our hands toward the front father right now we praise you Lord there's victory there's victory as the hour gets darker like winter creeping up upon us you are telling us that there's hope and victory in these last days Hallelujah. Now I wonder if you could come and let's gather behind these and we'll dismiss from the front.